Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Good evening. We want to welcome you to the one, the only Hog Talk podcast live from the Electrical Supply Guys studios. And we are a part of the Believe and Buzz radio network where you can hear us on all podcast platforms as well as Buzz 2106.7 in Central Arkansas. So please like, rate, and review our podcast. And I am your host, Porter Hayes of Sports and Culture Arkansas. And alongside me is Jacob Davis from Arkansas Fight and Saturday Down South. All live shows are presented to you by Arkansas Brewing Company in Ozark, Arkansas. And we are brought to you by Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to wager on all favorite sports, contests, and even first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. So head on over to the Believed Online today and use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BLEAV50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. And Bet Online is where the game starts. And we are welcome tonight. And we'll start the show, go to the Workman's Travel Center hotline, and bring in from AYS Sports fellow Believe Network podcast host Blake Rafino. Blake, you've been on before with us, brother, and it's good to have you back on. And, and, and how's things going? Thanks for bringing me back on, guys. It's good to good to be here. You know, we're about 20 days away or less from college football. And I just want to tell all of y'all's great listeners, my name is Blake Rafino, and I freaking love college football. So <laughs> it's, it's here. here, and uh, I'm excited, man. I'm really excited. I, You know, I, I think Twitter Spaces has made this a little bit more for me because, you know, we have our, our whole team. Uh, both of my producers, they, they do a lot of Twitter spaces, which I hop in, and I just listen and let the fan base talk. And, man, it's it, – it's, I, I don't remember, guys, for me, over the last 20 years outside of 2019 uh, when LSU had that historic run, I don't remember more anticipated college football season for me personally. So I, I just want to see grown men run as fast as they can and hit the crap out of one another. So I, I don't know about y'all, but I'm pretty excited. Well, well, you've had an eventful offseason, you know, and, and, and I guess first we can talk about that. You know, 
With, with the expectations of your new coach, how do you feel so far of what you've seen from him? I know he didn't get on too good of a start with his little dancing and his social media trying to do with the circular camera. But, you know, how do you feel about him? And, and with the talent you always have in the state, having a coach like Brian Kelly coming from Notre Dame, I mean, what's your thoughts so far? I think the dancing videos was the best thing that could have happened for Brian Kelly in a way, because, you know, in the South and in Louisiana, we're very loyal to a fault. You know, people were loyal to Les Miles. People were loyal to Ed Orgeron. So when the national media attacked Brian Kelly, it was quite honestly the best thing that could have ever happened because you had a fan base that didn't know who Brian Kelly was. So when you had people coming out attacking him, Louisiana just right, wrong, or indifferent, and most times they're wrong, they feel that the national media attacks them. So when they went after Brian Kelly, it was the best thing that could have ever happened because you had one team going in one direction and one fan base wanting him to succeed at the highest level. I will tell you, it is very comforting as we were sitting up there today uh, during the press conference to not have to sit on every single word that he's saying like we did Ed Orgeron because Ed was going to say something so stupid during a press conference <laughs> that then you would you couldn't have to so we were at the scrimmage today we would have to talk more about the bull, the BS that Ed would say that would really hurt the team and that would be what we have to focus on now Brian Kelly is like a true CEO and um, I will tell you when we've had coaches like Les Miles and Brian Kelly uh, Les Miles and Ed Orgeron Brian Kelly is a very welcome um, person, if you will, to get LSU back on the right track, especially from a PR. And you guys know this. Y'all cover, you know, the, the Hogs. I mean, you know when when a coach hits that podium they say something stupid like what Orgeron would say, it, it, it always goes to hell. I would rather him do a dancing video and try to hit the gritty versus him saying you're starting lineup week one and we're a month away. You know, like, I would rather him hit the gritty. That's just me. Yeah, we had a 70-year-old man leading us at one point. They didn't know if he was leading the state of Alabama Razorbacks or the state of Arkansas Razorbacks. Oh, John L. Smith. Yeah, you remember that, Porter? Smile! Uh, but, man. <laughs> Smile! Smile! You know, it's just refreshing, though. Uh, and, and, you know, Brian Kelly's a professional man. Uh, a guy that's not going to give you any kind of bluff or anything. Uh, I've watched him for several years. Is it refreshing, though, to come from a guy uh, like Ed Orgeron or Aless Miles and, and go to a guy like as, as professional and, and, and calm as what Brian Kelly is? Yeah, no doubt, Jacob. I mean, it, it, it's on another level, right? Like, it's um, you know, even the access that he's given us, you know, like I've never been able to walk into football lots and, you know, look, a lot of these coaches, you know, for me and playing football at Southeastern Louisiana, you grow up with a lot of these guys that are coaching now, you know, I, right. we played against the quarterbacks coach in college. I've known Joe for a long time. Um, and we're able to go in there and do interviews and talk to him. It's very CEO-like, man. I mean, he delegates what needs to be delegated, and he runs the ship when it needs to be run. And he's not going to give you anything at the podium, which I love, which I love. And, guys, Ed Orgeron literally, literally 
day one of camp last year gave the entire starting depth chart, which I'm just like, Ed, what are you doing? You know, like, you got people that could go out there and, and legitimately game plan against what you're doing, and it's August the 1st. Brian Kelly ain't going to give you that. He's going to tell you guys that flash and look good. But I, but I will tell you, the biggest thing is the discipline that this team has. LSU didn't have discipline. And I'll be honest, they didn't have a lot of discipline in 2019 outside of Joe Burrow jumping all over their, their arse, okay? It was Joe that led that team. If you, if we, I dare somebody in the middle of the season go out and start drinking and go into the club. I dare them because Joe would, Joe would fight them. And that's, I mean, Joe was getting fight at practices just to get the team at one cohesive unit. And Ed would just allow things to happen. This team's been more locked in than I've seen. And they were locked in in 19. But this team, it, it has a very big Saban feel, honestly, guys. And I hate to say it like that because Saban's the greatest of all time. But if you're going to compare him, Brian Kelly, to one of the three coaches that we've had, it's more like Saban and not like Ed. And just how important with the news of, you know, OU and Texas coming to the league here in a couple of years, with the state of you don't know where the SEC is going to be at in four to five years, how important is it for a program like LSU to get at this time a coach like Brian Kelly? Because you see what, you know, we'll get into Arkansas here in a minute, but you see what Sam Pittman's done at Arkansas. So how important was it? You got Jimbo at Texas A&M not to fall behind when these other two gauntlets, whether you like them or not, prestigious programs like OU and Texas join the SEC? Well, I will say it's not as much about, at least for me, about Texas or Oklahoma as it is like you just mentioned Arkansas. I mean, guys, let's call it what it is. Arkansas is big up front, and they got some nasty dudes on that offensive line, some really nasty dudes. And I know Jacob remembers this because – we break down every SEC team. And I think it was about two weeks ago we broke down Arkansas. This is – it's more about Arkansas than it is Texas. I mean, let's call it what it is. Arkansas put the smack it down on some candy arses on Texas a season ago. It's more about being able to go out there and beat the teams in the SEC now versus, you know, the Texas or Oklahomas because that's going to be what it is. Like, we can't control that at the current moment. LSU's got to get back to eight or nine wins. They got to get back into a New Year's Six conversation. They got to get back into that top ten. When you got teams that are recruiting like A&M, whether you like them, love them, or hate them, and they have the recruiting class that they did a season ago, you see what Sam Pittman's doing and getting, and even going into the portal with guys like Drew Sanders, who I think, and I, I think I told Jacob this, in my opinion, is the biggest steal in the SEC this year on the defensive side of the ball. Um, you got to be able to go out there and win now. Guys, that game's in Fayetteville. That game normally has gone to the home team with both teams have been, you know, on the, a really good track. I mean, we remember those electric games, Derry McFadden and all that great stuff that LSU and Arkansas had. We got to worry about winning the – at least being competitive in the SEC West before those teams even get here. And that which should be – the goal for LSU this year shouldn't be nine and three. It should be let's not go six and six. Let's get six wins and go from there. So I think that that's what they have to establish first. Yeah, eleven of the last fifteen games uh, have been have been within seven points or or less between Arkansas and LSU. That just shows you how close this series has been. But before we go on, like I think it was a travesty 
that they took away the Arkansas LSU game the day after Thanksgiving. And I think it honestly, from an Arkansas perspective, I think that killed the last straw of getting games out of Little Rock. Because I don't care who you are. If you wanted any game in Little Rock, it was that LSU game after Thanksgiving. Yeah. It, I mean, it yeah. was the it was most electric. Right? Yes, and yeah. I think that killed the vibe when they let Texas, when the SEC let Texas A&M and LSU have that game and took that away from Arkansas. It took a and and I don't care what you say about the state of the program, whether it's John L. Smith or after Bobby Petrino and and, and Brett Bielema. It took a lot of air out of getting any chance of having a respectable game inside War Memorial Stadium. Well, I don't know about you guys, uh, but I think from the LSU fans' perspective, it made A&M more of a rivalry than what Arkansas is for some LSU fans, right? Like, you know, you got to, you know, and I don't mean that disrespectfully at all. Like, I really don't. I still find them as the one opponent, like the big crossover. I think it would be LSU and Arkansas. Right, I think that that should be the rivalry if you had the one staying opponent. But I, I think for I think for an LSU fans' perspective, once that died down like that, um, LSU fans turned their attentions to A and M, and a lot of that had to do with Jimbo Fisher. You know, LSU was going to fire less and hire Jimbo. Jimbo goes to A and M, so it was kind of a maturation of a lot of things for them. But with a with with Arkansas being as good as they have been and they will continue to be, I think that that rivalry comes back. And I would rather play Arkansas the week or weekend or day after Thanksgiving than I do A&M. Because I'm going to tell you, I hate those dudes. <laughs> like, you know, I, I really do. They make cups and stuff and trashy, you know, circle jerks and the, you know, and, and the whole male cheerleaders having – so I don't like A&M at all, but that's just the fan base, and that's where they go, right? And I think that had a lot to do with that Thanksgiving game. You know, I remember as a kid, and I'm sure you guys do too, uh, that game was big because your family would be there, right? Like yeah. a lot of yeah. your family members would be there. And so I, I, I really hope that that game gets back to where it was because I remember that Darren McFadden run and LSU getting beaten triple overtime. and. Um, yeah, we talked what, about that last week. Yep. Yeah, Porter. Yep. What, I, that was a great game, man. I we were talking about the block by the quarterback more than it was the, the, the run by Derrick McFadden. I mean, yeah. you know. <laughs> well, and, and, and then you turn around a couple seasons later, and then you guys are up 14 to nothing. And then Tyra Matthew, the yep. return punt. Yeah. Down, and then LSU didn't win on the run. And I mean, those games have meant a lot. And I think Arkansas was third in the country in that game. They I were. Think, you know, like that was a – that was a prime time game, and and the great thing about it, it was a Friday after Thanksgiving. Yep, you know, it, and yep. so, and it left Arkansas searching for a rival. It left because, like in any, I mean, in baseball, we always looked at LSU as a, as a rival. In basketball, you know, it was Kentucky, but it left Arkansas. Now you can ask the fan base, who do you think Arkansas's rival is now in football? And it'd be a twenty percent split between three different teams. Texas A&M, Missouri, and LSU. It would not be the landslide that it used to be when they used to play that game. And that's like from a selfish, non-selfish point when I say it was a travesty that they took the game away from Arkansas. But it left Arkansas without that one true rival. And I think that's why Arkansas fans are looking so forward for Texas to come to the SEC 
Because now they have their rival back. Uh-huh. Well, that was a, that was, that game last year from uh, Texas and Arkansas, that was a fun game, man. Like, that was – I don't know. And I know that you guys probably had fun because you guys are Arkansas. You know, I say fans, but, you know, you guys cover the team. But, like, when you see Hunter Yurchek running down there and hugging Sam Pittman, like, you want to see that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. God bless it. Thank you all so much for whipping the snot out of them. That was just a fun – like, that is Arkansas. Right, yep. like when I picture Arkansas, I picture big dudes on the offensive line just running you over, and they did that, and it was so. Jake, when me and Jacob were talking about this on Twitter two weeks ago, that old line dominated them up front. It was, I mean, yeah, it was a it was a great display of O line play, and so Arkansas is going to be tough, man. They're going to be tough again this year. Yeah, you're talking about them being tough. Besides the offensive line, what are you seeing at Arkansas that could that could uh, take them to the next level? Because you know they were nine and four last season, and and now they're looking to win ten games. That's the goal here, uh, as what KJ Jefferson said at SEC Media Days, and he's repeated again. Ten wins is the is the is the goal. What do you think Arkansas needs to do to get to that level? I think this build off of last season. I get that that Burks isn't there, but you got the young man's was Hazelwood, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I still I think Hazelwood's a steal too. I think it's the front seven guys. Honestly, uh, I know that you know I kind of feel like for the first time that you guys have the personnel that can maybe do uh, what Barry Odom wants to do, and I think Drew Drew Sanders, man. Look, I, I'm telling you. I, so when I broke down Ole Miss, because I don't watch, I watch a lot of Bama football just because you know they're the number one team in the country and you kind of have to. But I went back and watched Ole Miss versus Arkansas. I mean, Ole Miss versus Alabama, and Drew Sanders was all over the field. I think that if they can continue to play sound, disciplined defense, they are going to be scary. I think this defense is going to be better than a season ago. You guys got. Um, um, Nudie. Nudie yeah. from LSU who came uh, in. Landon Jackson, home. too. Landon yeah. Jackson. You know, what is Landon? And we didn't get to see a lot of Landon. Um, but I think Nudie was a really long corner that can cover man-to-man. He's going to be asked to probably run a lot more zone, which makes him that much more dangerous. Guys, I think this defense for y'all, like, so, I, and I watched Joe Fouché and Greg Brooks. Joe Fouché, the stuff that he did at Arkansas, he's doing now at LSU from the discipline side of things. That's taught by Barry Odom. That's not something LSU taught Joe Fouché. That comes from Arkansas. I think this defense is going to be a lot better than people give him credit for. Um, and I'm really interested to see. I think Drew Sanders is the big. I said this then. I'll say it now. If that young man puts it together and stays healthy, he's the biggest steal in the portal in the SEC, and it's not close in my opinion. And we'll kind of transition to that portal. You know, how how much do you think that's helped teams like Arkansas get back on track? To you know, with so much parity in in college football, and we're talking about expansions and you know expanding conferences and super conferences. So, how much in in real realistic terms does that help teams like Arkansas to stay relevant and to get to the point to where they're at? I think it does. I mean, again, Drew Sanders. You know, I mean, and then. Uh, you got Hazelwood. I, there's just so much you can do. And look, even from an LSU perspective, guys, we had 37 dudes playing in a, a, a bowl game. 37. They had to go get 35 men, either the portal or high school, and they got 
just as many uh, guys out of the portal than they did high school recruits. It replenished LSU's roster. Guys, their entire secondary outside of one dude is from the portal. Greg Brooks, Joe Fouché are part of that. you got seven banks from Ohio State. They're literally, their entire DB room is from the portal. And you got guys like Elias Ricks. Bama loses two corners to the draft. They get Elias Ricks, a former five-star from California who goes over to Bama. So you can plug and play, man. It, it's free agency. It, it, it really, really is if you really think about it because when you have a deficiency, you can go out and plug somebody. And, you know, look, if, if kids can transfer, I'm okay with teams taking the kids from the portal. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, I mean, you've got to be able to replenish your roster. So here's something that's crazy, and I, we had to go up and look this. So LSU in 2019, guys, they didn't even they didn't even have 80 scholarship players. They had 77. Okay, that's due to the fact that they had guys that hit the portal and, and injuries and stuff like that and guys that left. I mean, you can never get back to that 85 scholarship limit. So what, it, it really hurt teams. It hurt a team like LSU. And I, I, for that, I'm glad that the portal's here because if you're not going to, you got to be able to take the high school limit off, which they did finally, but you got to be able to replenish your roster when you only have 37 kids and young men that are on your team. Yeah. And that I think, you know, we're talking about teams of destiny. You know, you look at that Clemson oh, yeah, team. You talk it, about it that. that low. It, it was it was horrendous. It got it got so bad they played ten, they started five walk-ons in that bowl game against Kansas State. Oh. Wow, that just shows you the what the uh, state of college football is, though. I mean, because if it can happen, anybody it can happen. It can happen to the big guys too. I well, mean, yeah. If it, if it, if guy. it's not, it's go, proven. Go ahead, it's proven if it's not the college football playoffs. I mean, and and even that. Even the college football playoffs is starting to get – they're starting to, you know, get a little testy with, you know, opt-outs and stuff in, in, in the CFP teams. But that I think that is a reason why the biggest component for and the biggest advocate for expansion is to keep more players from opting out because they have more to play for. Well, right. I mean, and that was obviously the biggest thing for playoff expansion was more teams are engaged and stuff like that. I'm not – a fan of the expansion you know i don't want to watch bama versus baylor yeah to be honest i think baylor's not even close to being on that realm or baylor georgia uh but you got to keep get kids engaged guys Derek stingley elias ricks checked out midway through the season unless you got to be yeah. auburn they checked out yep and so funny how Derek stingley's not checked out now that he's in the league mm-hmm. you know and so well, I think there's too much leniency when it comes to this transfer. I think if you transfer, it should be after the season and that's it. You you let a kid, you know, you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't, to me, this is my opinion, you can't play half a season or four games and then be able to transfer out. That is the only aspect of that transfer portal that I disagree with. Because you're in summer camp you're in preseason. You're in four games through the season, and that's played. So what if that's seven games into the season, and now you can transfer out? That I don't like that when it comes you know to what the happens. LSU happens. Yeah. Again, thirty-seven scholarship yep. dudes. Players quit. Players win the portal. Players didn't want to be there. Yeah. One guy we haven't talked about though yet, Porter Blake, is KJ Jefferson. 
how big of how big of a, uh, a deal is he going to be, or how big of an issue is he going to be for the SEC, including LSU this year? He can only get better passing the football, right? Like, I mean, yeah. I don't think he's going to regress. I, I get Traylon uh, Burks isn't there, but he's not going to get worse. You, you guys, y'all, y'all, y'all return probably and maybe arguably one of, if not the best offensive coordinator in the country. Yep. Right, and so when you have that, he's only going to get better. I'll, I'll tell you this. I thought KJ got better in, in the intermediate passing game as the season went went on. I agree. I agree. You know, he utilized his tight ends, his running backs a lot more. And God, God bless it, if he does a zone read, keeps it, and you got a bootleg, and you get 8, 10, 12 yards, because when you continue to take that flat, he's going to pick up first downs. He's going to run. You know, LSU and Arkansas went to overtime last year. The only reason I feel like Arkansas won outside of some th- – Traylon – I mean, Traylon Burke. Uh, K.J. Jefferson let him down the field. Y'all go down there and you win. That's the game. Yeah. That young man, yeah. in my opinion, uh, is probably – and I know a lot of people talk about him. I'm not going to say he's underrated, but I don't think he gets the um, – love that he deserves you know like I, I really and i'm not saying that because i'm on here with you guys i really believe that he's the biggest problem in the sec from a quarterback from the from a running perspective i don't think it's and, and and you said it perfectly you know you're talking about it from and that's not like a disrespect it's the fact that you when you think of kj jefferson you think of a cam newton he's dual threat but he's more of a running threat than he is a passing threat like tim tebow he's more of a running threat than he is a passing threat and not to dig at LSU, but, you know, the year before, we kind of started to see what he could be as a passer against LSU right. the year prior. So, you know, last year was kind of his coming out party. Now they've got that target. And I've, I've posed this question to Jacob and, and kind of posing it to you when it comes to this Arkansas team. You know, now, you know, they don't have that underdog role they can build off of. They don't have people that don't respect them. What does that mean to a team for a year like this if they continue that success, not having that underdog chip that they can play opposed to it's off and they still succeed? Well, I I will say this, and this is just from like an – I give this as an LSU perspective. LSU went uh, 10-2 or 10-3, saving second or second year – yeah, second or second or third year, I I forget. But nevertheless, they turned right around and went 8-4. Okay, and that team was just as talented as the 03 team that won a national title. Uh, sometimes you can take a step back. Like sometimes games exactly might not go your way, right? Like yep. maybe you don't win the LSU game, or maybe uh, you guys beat Ole Miss and with the overtime lane went for two, if I'm not mistaken. And the other way around. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Sam that, went for two and he missed even it. Yeah. That game yep. flips. Right. Like. When you're that close of games, either way can go. So that changes your season from going to 10 wins or to eight wins. Yep. It's all of a matter of inches. So, you know, like, what if, what if you, what if they don't convert that? You know, what are your guys' record then? Like, do you get to that 10 wins? And here's a funny thing. Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss did get to 10 wins. So what if the roles reverse, right? And so um, I wouldn't be, I don't think it's a disappointment in my personal opinion. From the outside looking in, if they go eight and four or nine and three, that's a damn good yep. team, man. That's exactly that's what I said team. last week. Hey, I'll say this. If I'm another team outside of the SEC, 
and Arkansas goes eight and four, that tells me I don't want to play them. Exactly. I wouldn't want to play. It's kind of like Auburn from a season ago, right? Like there were times where Auburn was five and one and going into uh, LSU and beating LSU, Bo Nix running around. You go to that Bama game, same kind of deal happens. You don't want to play good teams like Arkansas. Like I don't want, look, Arkansas scares the bejesus out of me as an LSU fan. I, and we'll probably get into this a little bit more. If they get to if they get to ten wins, build Sam Pittman a statue, damn it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and you go back to that Auburn Alabama game. Yeah. If they don't have that stupid two point conversion rule, where it's one play, who knows what would have happened if they would. And I again, when we talk about dumb rules, I don't. Whoever come up when you got nine overtimes in a Big Ten game and the game's twenty one nineteen or whatever that. Illinois game, whatever. I mean, yeah, L- Illinois, Penn State. <laughs> well, you know they changed that rule because of that LSU A and M game that went into seven overtimes. Yeah, well, um, it, it's it's Joe the Burrow ridiculous, most ridiculous rule I've ever heard of. Right. Well, Burrow got so dehydrated they had to put two IVs in his arm, mm. and the team couldn't leave until the doctors cleared him to get on the bus. Oh wow. Yeah, that's that that was that was insane. But yeah, I mean, but look. I, I don't know about you guys. I have Arkansas going either eight and four, nine and three. This is my thing. I, whoever wins that LSU LSU Arkansas game, I think either can go eight and four, nine and three. That's the break or make make or break game for me for LSU uh, is when you get that late in the season because look, we don't play well against Jimbo on the road. Excuse me, on the road. LSU's I think zero and two or zero and three against Jimbo when that happens. So. Um, I think it's a make and break nine and three, eight and four for either team. That's going to be a fun game, man. And LSU's got to go up there, and you know, and it, it's a t- it's a telltale sign. How much is this LSU team locked in as an example? So, and, and look, I don't know how I don't know how much faith I have in Ole Miss, be, to be honest with you. So, so you're you're saying LSU has a chance to be number two or three in the SEC West? I think they could go from two or four. And okay. Their ceiling, their their floor being fifth. Yeah. Who do you? Where do you think Arkansas finishes? I think that they right now I would have them at two or three. I okay. Think I think their floor can be three. Uh, yeah. And that's why I say I think it could flip flop. Here's the thing. Experience matters in this league to me, Jacob. Yeah. They return a shit ton of. Excuse, sorry. They t- return <laughs> a lot of it. <laughs> right. Where do y'all? Where Jacob? Where in Porter? Where do y'all have them? I, I said nine wins. Yeah. Yeah. Jacob does. Jacob's got to win on the national championship. So my dream scenario, my dream scenario is is ten and two, maybe eleven and one if things fall right. I'm not going. To, I'm not going below nine wins. Not not yeah. nine win regular season wins. And and that's and that's exactly what I said. I told Jacob last week. I said in the SEC West, you get a one win grace. Down or up, if you want to keep like your success, like it, like like if you had a nine-win season, you can bump down to an eight and four or eight and yeah. five, or you can go up one. But I I don't see them dropping down two games to a seven-win season. I don't see that. Yeah, 
but a lot of the, the, a lot of the reason why I'm seeing it this way is because this team lines up kind of a similar similar to the 2010 team because they went eight and five that year and were kind of building off of they were building off of uh, two seasons ago when they beat LSU in Little Rock in, in 08 and then 2009 comes and they're building it and and they lost LSU on the road but they were that close in 09. And then 2010, they just break through in year three. It's year three under Sam Pittman. I just feel that right now is their time. They've got a lot of guys uh, returning back. You got your quarterback, you got your running back. Uh, wide receivers are sounding promising, uh, according to some of the folks there at, uh, the, at fall practice. And then your defense, which is which is solid. You said running back. What's that? You broke up. Yeah, running back. Too. Okay. Yeah, yeah and, and you've got a strong running game and a good offensive line. That's why I'm saying Arkansas can win ten or eleven games this year, just based off of that. Now they could they could go and go eight and four, which is fine with me, or nine and three, which is fine with me. But if you go seven and five, six and six, that's a step back. Yes, in my opinion. Yes, with, with the continuity, they got too much talent. Yeah. They got yeah. too good of coaching staff. It, that that was my point exactly with the coaching staff and what you got returning. If you go seven and five or seven and six or whatever, that to me is a not a failure, but that's a disappointment. I don't know. I think. Ah, goodness. Uh oh. Uh oh. This is what happens when we go live. Root beer shooters. Goodness gracious. All you, all you can get on live TV. He, he, he was fanboying over McFadden running against LSU. <laughs> Had him homesick. Hey, that's that vodka. That's that stuff that I probably can't say it. That's I, that I'll Saline County it. vodka. I'm not going to say it, but I'm, I was going to say something we were talking about off air earlier. He saw his first video of Alexis, and so that's what made him. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> oh, well, man, hey, Blake, man, it's well, always, always on. good coming on with you, man. And and I know we'll catch up. Let's catch up LSU week and, and see where we're at and, and talk Absolutely. again, brother. And, and again, so Blake Rafino, Brotherhood, Believe Network, AYS Sports. We're going to take a commercial break. When we come back, me and Jacob's going to break down his coffin episode and what we think is going to happen <laughs> in game one against Cincinnati. Boys, thank you all so much. Yes, sir. See ya. Go. Shelby Taylor Trucking serves all your timberland needs in South Central Arkansas. With over 50 years in the industry, Shelby Taylor Trucking has established themselves as trustworthy leaders in the industry. From planting to harvesting to hauling your timber, Shelby Taylor Trucking is ready to serve you. Follow them on all social media platforms at Shelby Taylor Trucking. Learn more by visiting their website at staylortrucking.com. That's staylortrucking.com. Dot com. McCoy Tiger Drug Store of Sheridan, Arkansas has been the top pharmacy in all of South Central Arkansas since 1895. They were also the 2020 Good Neighbor Pharmacy of the Year. They not only fix you up with your prescription with timely and friendly service, but also an elite gift shop. All your OTC needs, baby and wedding registries, tuxedo rentals, and much more. They are located at 821 North Rock Street in Sheridan. Give them a call today at 870-942-5121.
If you want the best service and prices in Northwest Arkansas and Southwest Missouri for all your plumbing and electrical needs, then look no further than Corey Hyman, the plumbing electrical supply guy. Corey's in full steam ahead and providing the best electrical, plumbing, and septic supply service around. So call Corey at 479-301-8220 or email him at chyneman, that's H-I-N-D-M-A-N, at andersonp.com. Again, that is 479-301-8220. And we want to welcome you back to the Hog Talk Podcast, live broadcast brought to you by Arkansas Brewing Company in Ozark, Arkansas. And we want to thank Blake Rafino of AYS Sports for coming on. And Jacob, that was that was a really good segment, really good insight about you know his LSU insight. And talking high on the hogs, I mean, that just shows you, and this is no BS. You know, we've had two guys on that, that have really come on and just said how much they respect Arkansas. And you can tell that they're being sincere and not just because they're jumping on an Arkansas podcast. So, I mean, you as the bigger Arkansas fan between the two, what does that mean to you when people come on and, and show legitimate respect for this program? It just shows me kind of the – affirmation of where this program is because two years ago these people were laughing at them yep and laughing at the hogs i mean they were the worst team in the sec and they deserved it i mean they deserved to be the laughing stock of the of the conference the laughing stock of the nation so it it does my heart well it it, it warms me just to just to see them talk so well in such a short turnaround to be honest with you. Well, yeah, and, and that was the thing. He he brought up when Hunter Juracek went down and hugged Sam Pittman. I mean, I think that that was shared all across yeah. Razorback Nation. I mean, it, and we had talked about this for years, about, you know, all it would take is the football program to really get over that hump, to really bring this fan base together, because that's the bread and butter. Right. That's the foundation of this fan base is the football program. You know, what happens in between – August and December or January, if you make a, a January bowl game, you know, that's what matters the most when it comes to the Razorback fan base. And then everything else is just icing on the cake and to see where this fan base is. The one thing I will yeah. say is just, you know, there's a lot of expectations, but I don't see like the buzz. I still see the wall kind of there. I don't see the wall being brought down fully like they would enjoy the baseball season because it's Omaha or bust. Or look at the basketball program and seeing what they're doing overseas and seeing what they've done with two, you know, Elite Eight runs and just the buzz of knowing what they're expecting and fully getting to enjoy. And, and I know we've seen that during the Texas game last year, but my, my question is, what do you think it's going to take to get to the point to where – you know, the football program and the fans can kind of just really sit back and relax and be like, man, this is going to be a good year. So it's going to take some time. I think a lot of it has to do is we're, we're healing from the Chad Morris and the Brett Bielema era. And I know I keep bringing that up and all, but it's really true. We are still recovering. And I think until we see continual proof that Arkansas is, is, is back, I mean, I'm not saying they're they're back in the terms of, oh, we're Texas Longhorns, we're back, we just beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl, and they never got back. I'm saying Arkansas is competitive. They want to see it year in and year out, and I think once we see that and then you start stringing along these 9-10 win seasons consecutively, 
then I think fans will jump on the wagon and say, "Hey, this is this is Arkansas. I'm 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 taking my taking my uh, guard down because this is the Arkansas football that I grew up watching." Look, when I was growing up. Uh, I started watching. I, I remember some things about Clint Sterner and and the fumble and how things felt back then. And I remember going and beating Oak, uh, beating Texas in the Cotton Bowl. I remember beating Missouri in the in the Independence Bowl in '04. I remember a lot of these things. I remember seeing Matt Jones and I remember seeing Dermot Fadden. You could always count on Arkansas winning between six, seven, eight games, and then an occasional ten win new season, like you saw in '06. So you, you want to see more consistency is, is what I'm thinking. I'm trying to get at Porter. I think that will solidify the fan base because I think they're on needles right now just because they've been let down so much. And now here we are just two or two and a half weeks away from the season. And, and we can almost say for certain, this is going to be a good year. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's what it's going to take is get to that first game and think, okay, we're ready. This yeah, is, this is and, and you brought up a good point because you're talking about – and I always brought, have brought up the analogy of, you know, peanuts and, and, and the, the football and, and pulling the football away. When he goes to kick the football, we're going to be good, we're going to be good, and the football's pulled away from you. You know, it, yeah. it's just the fact that with the expectations of, you know, the football program and the fans and – all it takes is one loss. It's not like the basketball program yeah. where you can lose you can lose a Wednesday Saturday game or you can go have a, a three game you could get swept in a in a series against Auburn in baseball. You know, you've only got 10, 11, 12 games to really soak this in and if you yeah. lose two, you you're looking at well, are we going to make a January bowl game or not? You know, so right. It, it it's just the the less of the games, the more meaningful it is. And it's just you you take this game and account, say, like a loss against Texas A&M. You carry that 365 days a year, you know, yeah. opposed to baseball. Well, we got them the three-game series, one, one, two out of three. Well, we'll get them next year. Or the basketball. Well, we lost this game. Well, we'll get them at home. You know, football, right. that's it. You got one shot, and then you got to take that yeah. L for a whole year. So, I mean, it's just magnitude – magnified a lot but I see a lot of promise and belief and I think that's the biggest thing and and when you talk about trust and believing I think a lot of it takes in these fans just need to believe in what Sam Pittman Barry Odom and Kendall Browse are doing and and just let your guard down and be like hey look they have this program they love all the love the national attention they're getting Blake coming on and, and saying what he said about the program. You know, all these people coming on and be like, hey, look, Arkansas is a respectable program. I think it's finally time to take the coat off, take your shoes off, prop them up, and enjoy the season this year. Yeah. And it's it's almost, like, hard to do because you, you, you think about it. You're, uh, until you get through that Cincinnati game and you, and you feel the – you can feel the uh, the hot air, <laughs> and you're thinking, man, if we can just get through this game and get to the South Carolina game. Once we get through South Carolina, we go and beat Missouri State, and then we got A&M, and then the season starts. Yeah. But we have A&M, and, and, and that's truly almost where the season starts, is when you open up against it in the SEC, and I know it's not a given that you beat Cincinnati and South Carolina, 
But a lot of people are saying, okay, Texas A&M is the start of the season. That that's where you strap your boots up and you go play in in the uh, Southwest Classic. You can go out there and whoop those guys, and, and you showed last year. And look, I will I I I'll, I'll eat my corn. I'll, I'll, I'll eat my crow. I don't think A&M is going to be as good as what people are saying. They're ranked number seventh, number eighth in the country in the coaches' poll. Okay, they have a quarterback issue. They've got. Limited depth at wide receiver and running back. Yeah, their offensive line may be good. And their defense is littered with a bunch of five stars from uh, the 2022 class. 2022 five stars aren't going to win you 10 or 11 games in the SEC in year one. I'm sorry. Well, see, I'm not scared of A&M as much as I, as I am Alabama. I, I don't think I Arkansas think. is a program yet. I mean, they had a good, you know, nine and four season. Yeah. I, I don't think they're at, a, at the program where they can sit there and say, okay. Season starts at Texas A&M. No, you still got to take that Cincinnati game yeah. in account. You have to, because you yeah, know what we've seen. We've seen, but we've seen the fans' expectations of ten wins and they fall flat on their <laughs> right. face. I'm right. not saying that's right. going to happen, but we're not at that point to where, you know, when I say take your coat off and prop your feet up. I mean, we don't jump to week three. You know what I'm getting at? Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we know still got to take because we we've seen. And I'm talking about South Carolina, and I've told you numerous, numerous times, I hate saying positive things about South Carolina. But when you you corner a dog or you corner a coyote, they're going to fight tooth and nail. They have a chip on their shoulder and, right. to be a respectable program. I'm, am I calling the Arkansas-South Carolina a win? Yeah, they're going to win the game. But you never know what type of fight you're going to get. You, do, you don't know. And, and they're not at the point where they can – I mean, because it's still the SEC. I mean, yes, Cincinnati right, of course. is a win, but it's still the SEC, and you're playing these games at home, but yet you, you, you're you not at the point where you can look ahead anymore. You know, you still – you're not yeah. – in any year, really, you can't look ahead because, I mean, of course, look at Alabama last year against Texas A&M. You can't overlook a game. But, you know, they have that dog in them with the fact that you got Sam Pittman as your head coach you got two coordinators that want to win just as much because they respect the guy that's above them. I honestly feel the biggest key that Arkansas has, and this I don't think this has been talked about enough, is you've got a defensive coordinator and an offensive coordinator. Their soul, and this is not coach speak or nothing, this is truly how I think they feel. Their main objective is being the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator at the University of Arkansas. They've proven that the last two years. They haven't went anywhere. Oh, yeah. You know, they're not one of these coaches that are trying to raise this program so they can go elsewhere. I honestly believe Kendall Riles is head coach in waiting. I, I think Barry Odom is that one where he's cool with being defensive coordinator. And if they feel like Kendall Riles is not ready to be a head coach yet, I could see him taking over for Sam Pittman. But that's five, six years down the road. Yeah. I mean, and Barry Odom might want to hang it up been, after that, you know? Yeah, Barry Odom, he's already had his yeah. he's already had his dream job. The guy was making – the guy went 25-25 at Missouri, yeah. went 4-0 against Arkansas, and got canned Yeah, for, for being average at Missouri, for being average. Well, you, I'm telling you right now, well. with Hunter Yurchick – And they're still freaking average at the Drinkwitz. Well, here's the deal, though. Underneath Hunter Yurchick, you're going to get canned for being average here. I don't yeah. care. I mean, I don't care if you are. And that's what Sam Pittman has admitted. 
hey, if I'm not living up expectations, they can fire me. I will go. If I'm not doing the state of Arkansas right and winning the games that we're supposed to and making this state proud, yeah. I will gladly go down to Lake Hamilton and ride off in the sunset. That's, but that's just how much of a man he is. He's willing to admit that, hey, if I don't do things the way that Hunter Yurchek wants me to do this thing, you find my replacement. But, but I think yeah, that just right. how this is going, you know, and I've had my you know, concerns about Bryles because, you know, what we talked about, but because he, he's hungry about growing and, and he might want to move up, and now I think he is. But I think if he builds this program, he, he's got the perfect place. He's got the perfect timing and the skills to sit there and take over for Sam Pittman when he decides to retire. Yeah, and, and I remember him talking about when he came here and the loyalty that he has to Sam Pittman because Kendall didn't have a job when he, when he took over at off, as offense coordinator. He got fired at Florida State. Yep. There wasn't a promise that he was going to have a job, and he reached out to Sam Pittman. And, Sam and he, Pittman he didn't even know who Sam Pittman – I mean, he didn't yeah. have a he personal Pittman, connection with didn't him. didn't know him. Yep. You know, that's the thing. He didn't have a connection with Sam Pittman. He reached out to him because he wanted to be a part of this program. So, I mean, that says a lot about one Sam Pittman as a coach. But it says even more about him as a man. And we've learned that over the past couple years, just the true person that he is. And you meet him on the outside setting. Like, you know, we, me and, you know, former host, we met him in a basketball game. And dude was just as genuine as if he was up on the – speaking at a Little Rock Touchdown Club yeah. or one of these clubs that he goes to across the state. I mean, he's just that type of guy. And it was an honor to get to meet him and, and be a, a part of, you know, just watching the people around him respect him. You know, it wasn't like googly eyes. It was the fact that everybody that was around him respected him. And I think – but you look at, like, what we are talking about last week with what – you look at a player like Trey Knox. I think that is something that is being misplaced is the fact that he didn't know his role. He become a tight end, and guess what? He gained the pounds. He accepted yeah. that role of, okay, I'm going to be the best tight end. I'm going to be a tight end, and he, gained, he put in the work. If that doesn't say anything not only about Trey's character, but somebody really buying into what Sam Pittman, Kendall Bryles, and Barry Odom's believing in, that should be a sign right there that one of the guys that you didn't know about a year ago has really stepped up and become a leader of this offense off the to, of, of showing guys this is what happens yeah. when you put in the work. And going back, I remember watching uh, or listening to something KJ said, and he was talking about the impact that Felipe Franks. And you can go all the yep. way back there. And he, and he said, I, gr- I owe Felipe Franks a lot of gratitude for leading me and convincing me, hey, stay here, work. Don't enter the transfer portal because your time's coming. And it did against yep. Missouri in 2020. And he showed what he did, and, and, and it showed Sam Pittman and, and Kendall Bryles that, hey, our man is on campus for the next year and the next two years. Let's ride this guy. Do, do and, you and think we, he's kind of yeah, passed the torch the to Malik? And, 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 yeah, and Malik, and that's kind of what KJ did to Malik is KJ believes in what Hornsby's doing. And and he says, hey, follow me and let this be your pony. Let this let this be uh, your ride next season. Yeah. That, that's what's impressive to me is the leadership uh, under, under what Kendall Browse and Sam Pittman and Barry Odom have instilled. And, and they brought in a player coach like Felipe 
and and then he's turned into a darn tight end in Atlanta. <laughs> exactly. I mean, the guy they they take on the uh, the personality of their coaches. They're guys that want to work. They're blue collar athletes, blue collar workers, and the guys that are that that want it. And that's that's what's impressive to me, Porter is is these guys want they want to be here they want to win football games and that's why i think 10 and 10 and 2 11 and 1 is attainable because a, a bunch of luck and guys believe in the sky's the limit yeah and i get that you know it, it's yeah. just the fact that you're still talking about the sec football you know you're still talking about yeah. depth you're still and and they do have more depth this year than they did last year. Way more. And they are capable of winning 10 games. They are capable of winning 11 games. It's just when, when it comes to the true depth on defense, and I know your offensive line is, you know, is one of the biggest in, in, in college football, it, it's just the fact that you're still playing a modern era of football. And when the biggest question for me is at wide receiver – when it comes to you solely relying on your run game, it, right. I've got to see more of what they can do in their passing game before I jump them up to that 10 win. Now, if Traylon Burks come back this year, oh, yeah, I would say 10 wins. Uh, definitely. Absolutely. Because you have that balance that you know you've got a guy coming back on the receiving core that you know you could probably score 30, 35, 40 points a game. And, and so to be a 10-11 win Team, you have to score 35, 30, 30, 40 yeah. points a game. So, until they yeah. do that, and like we are talking about earlier, eating crow, I probably by the end of the season might be eating crow, but still yet I have them nine. So, I don't think I'm dissing them. I just – I have them as no, a nine-win season. No, so I've, you know, I've been at home a lot this week, and I was able to watch some of the press conferences and stuff. And uh, we, we hadn't talked much about Jaden Hazel, but we talked about him earlier. And he, he met with the media with uh, Ketron Jackson, the other uh, – I think he, I guess he's going to be a redshirt freshman. I think he may be a, a, a sophomore. Anyways, uh, but Jaden Hazel was asked about Traylon Burks. And the impact that he had, and he says, "Yeah, Trey, well, he was a, he was a nice player. He was a great player, but I'm ready to show you what I can do." Yep, there and, you go. And saying, "I love it. I love that yep. mindset because he's saying, yeah, Traylon was a great player, but this is our team now." Yep. And, and I like that because they take ownership of what they are and what they have. And and Jaden Jaden had a disappointing career at Oklahoma. He was a former five-star, number one wide receiver in the country in the 2019 class, a guy that just hasn't lived up to his potential that he had coming out of high school. I mean, he had a torn ACL while at OU, uh, but led the Sooners in receiving last year, albeit he had caught 40 balls, 400 yards, and and six touchdowns. The guy is ready to, to prove it, and he said, also said some stuff about Matt Landers, a transfer from George, I mean, I mean Toledo. He was at Georgia first, but uh, came from Toledo, the guy averaged 25 yards a catch he says he's a burner one of the fastest players on the team and so i can see it coming and and i think the wide receiver room as much as it was a question it's still going to be a question week one because we haven't seen these guys play yet but it kind of assures me a little bit to say maybe there was too much of an emphasis put on Traylon burks last year to carry him 
But then you look at the but, other but who was, was I mean you outback ball where there's 103 passing yards. Well, so without trailing, you 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 also had someone like Davion Warren that was supposed to be that burner threat. You know, yeah, you know yeah. you had guys like Warren Thompson, Blake Kern. I mean, there were some times where they would drop some key passes. Up, you yeah. know, I mean they didn't step up. So yes, I mean, but also here here's the thing, and this is not taking anything away from what they were saying. He was a first round draft pick. So, yeah. I mean, you You're can't right. really say that, well, of, of course, you expect your first-round draft pick to carry that receiving core. And, and I just posed the question, too, though. You know, I, I kind of find it funny that they asked to transfer that question about Traylon Burks instead of somebody who's been there. You know, right. the, the, they asked the person the question that hasn't been in that locker room for two years with him. Of course, you know, this guy's going to come in and say, hey, it's my turn. I'm looking – because – He's coming from Oklahoma. He's coming from another school where things kind of didn't pan out, whether it's his fault or not his fault, you know, and injuries or whatnot. Ask Trey Knox that question. Ask Davion Warren. Ask Warren Thompson. Ask any of these guys that have spent time in the locker room with Trey Burks who really impacted them, you know, would they off camera or off the record say the same thing? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So – Defensive line, we did learn there was a couple of injuries going on with the defensive tackle. Uh, uh, Marcus Marcus Miller, uh, I think he's like a fourth-year player out of Warren. He ended up having to have a scope done on his knee uh, today, but he'll be back uh, before the start of the season. And I think Cam Ball has been missing in practice the past couple of days, too. He's a... Uh, Richard sophomore defensive tackle. So if you needed, if you had, if you were going to have injuries, you didn't want to have them in the defensive tackle position because, well, you're short. Now, I think they added a guy that was a walk on uh, to kind of fill out the roster uh, going moving forward. So, so there's an update there out of fall camp. Um, but I don't know. I haven't heard anything really about Malik Hornsby. I know I was listening to what. Uh, Kenny Guyton and the wide receivers said, and uh, I know that Malik's probably going to get a few snaps at wide receiver, but I don't know how many. Um, trying to remember anything else. But I don't know if you've if you paid any attention to what they've said in fall practice or not. No, and, but, and uh, I, I've, I've seen some highlights from what Picture Nation's shown, but you know, yeah. it, to me, I don't. I want to see him on the field. I mean, they can yeah. say what they want, but I'm ready. For, I'm ready for on the field action, and and I'm not saying that it's not important. You know, injuries right. and stuff. But to me, you know, you know this basketball European tour. You know, watching them, just watching how electric these guys are. You know, oh man. You know, it's just amazing. Yeah. You know, had a gritty win today, blowout win the first game. You know, they got some. You know, more games coming up. It's just really, you know, it's awesome to see. You know, Nick Smith was questionable if he was even going to play over there. Hurt his finger, and he goes and scores 17 points two games in a row. You know, yeah. so I mean, it's just exciting to see them getting these extra and what we talked about with with the basketball program and having so much youth getting to have this bonding moment you know it's it's very important but but no back to your question you know when it comes to fall camp and you know you're not in full pads yet I think Hutch said something he was on Ruskin and Zach show he's talking about you know these guys ain't even put on full pads yet so it's hard to really judge on what you're seeing we, we we seen a play today where, you know, a guy made a really good catch and a move on a defensive back, and that's going to happen. But it makes you excited about what you're able to see, what you're able to look forward to, you know. And right. maybe if we had more access to what's going on and, and, and seen more of what 
you know, they're doing in practice, it'd be – but, you know, we've gotten to the point where we're used to – you know, when it comes to football, we're not getting that the, – the full look right. of what's going on. And they're having a scrimmage this weekend. So, I'm sure by this time next week we'll have more of an idea. But, you know, I'm, for me, when it comes to football season, we got – High school football starting very soon. Ozark's got to scrimmage next uh, Monday against Alma. First day of school, so I'm really looking forward to that. You know, and college is going to be not too far behind. So, you know, to me, it's time to put the pads on, and we're going to have a lot to talk about in the next coming weeks. Oh, yeah, you're right. And I can't believe we went 56 minutes without talking about the basketball team. Yeah. <laughs> man. Uh, man. Kamani Johnson, uh, shout out to him. Yeah. I know he uh, he follows me on Twitter. Shout out to that guy because he, he had some dog in him today. 10 points, 12 rebounds. Uh, one of the best performances I've seen him have as a Razorback. I know it's not college basketball right now. You know, that it's it's uh, foreign to her. You're playing a bunch of suspect competition, you know, but – yeah, that was a really good performance by him, a good performance by Devo Davis. And a guy that I've seen uh, splashing on the scene that I didn't expect to play so well, Barry Dunning Jr. That guy, he took a ball out of bounds play uh, right up the middle uh, uh, from the free throw line at the top of the key and zoomed all the way up there for a dunk in game one. Had a couple of good baskets today uh, up near the rim and a couple of good uh, jumpers. The guy's playing really well, too. Man, this team, whether they're going to be nine to 12 men deep so yet to be seen, but they, they had some guys playing some good minutes today. That was about eight or seven or eight deep. Yeah. So. I don't they know, look man. very Not electric basketball season. Yeah, they look very electric, and and we'll get into that, you know, further way on down the line. But you know, I will really want to enjoy the football season and stuff. But absolutely. But if uh, also we got some new merch drop, we got some shirts. Go on to believe we got the links set up on our Facebook page. We got some hats dropping too. So support the podcast. Don't forget also to. Leave us a, a, a review. Even you know what can we improve on? You know what do you want to hear from us? You know what are you looking forward to this football season? And you know just go out and get you a shirt. Support the podcast and always you know brought to you by Bet Online, our partners that believe for putting these shirts together. They did an amazing job and just thank you again to all of our sponsors who are able to make this you know this, this possible. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, follow us on social media, too, at the Hog Talk on Twitter and Instagram. And all, as always, you can find us on Facebook. Yep. Well, that will do it for another episode of the Hog Talk podcast. I am your host, Porter Hayes. Alongside me again is Jacob Davis. And we'll catch you again next week. Go Hogs.